Welcome everyone to the Picard series podcast by Fantastic Geek. At least that's what we're calling it while it doesn't have a title. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Engage. Matt, here to talk to you about the untitled Star Trek series coming later 2019. (laughs) Uh, That certainly is the goal. And Pete, let's start right off the bat talking title. Uh, Much hay has been made with the fact that CBS has set aside the copyright for Star Trek Destiny. Um, I feel like that's where the smart money is, but until they announce a title, which knowing our luck, we're going to upload this and then like tomorrow they're going to give it an (laughs) official title. That's okay. We love talking Star Trek. We can update. We can talk more. But I feel like that's the that's the title to bet on right now. If you're going to, you know, use things as pedestrian as money in the 24th century. Yeah, I I think there's some stock to be put into that, given that it's been uh, copyrighted. But Matt, I'm a big fan of Star Trek colon making it so. <laughs> Is that making with uh, an apostrophe? Absolutely. Come on. It's what the cool kids do now in the 24th century. Well, super glad to be talking about this, the second Star Trek offering from CBS All Access, uh, particularly on the heels of having just finished podcasting Star Trek Discovery. So if you're a brand new listener, welcome. Check out fantasticgeek.com for our other stuff. Check uh, your, your podcast purveyors for other Fantastic Geek podcasts on Star Trek, on Star Trek Discovery in particular, on Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, other geeky goodness, but Pete, our focus here with uh, with a show first announced, I, I dare say, I am. I think I'm correct in saying, out of the blue, nobody saw it coming uh, until it was announced August 4th, 2018 at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. I mean, there had been some rumbling they were going to uh, bring Patrick Stewart back into the fold. Um, but to have the announcement made formally, we were actually at a, at a ball game and getting all this news over social media. And of course we were going to podcast it. It was, you know, a fait accompli from jump street. And, you know, you mentioned star Trek discovery before and having just finished podcasting the second full season of that on discovery, a star Trek podcast by fantastic geek. Um, and the, places that they've gone, um, both when and where with that and the discussion now turning to this yet untitled series that will center around Captain Jean-Luc Picard, um, and what was believed was going to be the furthest point other than, you know, some, some random, Hey, we go uh, forward for a temporal cold war, reaches back to Enterprise, so on and so forth. You know, there was the Discovery uh, Calypso short trek that, uh, you know, a thousand years past Discovery. And what we were, you know, I know I was really anxious. Let's let's see where Star Trek has gone. This is no longer the, the furthest point in time. Uh, spoiler alert, if you've not already watched it, because Discovery's jumped 930 years in the future. So, you know, what could happen on this show could actually be referenced in Star Trek Discovery Season 3. True. And it comes with enough space where, you know, if, oh no, 
retired Captain Picard has just come across, uh, you know, the latest plot to destabilize the Romulan Empire or whatever it might be. It's also so far from Discovery that, you know, that'll be... That's not going to, you know, it's not going to be this stuff of, you know, this week on Deep Space Nine, oh man, but on Next Generation, how are the uh, reverberations going to be felt? There's enough of that space where it's separate corners, I think, in a really satisfying way. Yeah, and I think everybody who loves this character is looking forward to seeing where he is in real time since his last adventure, Matt's 2002 Star Trek nemesis, not really the grand exit we planned and enough that he would be able to return to this character in some way, shape or form, but to do it in a, in a weekly situation in a television series, I think is the greatest victory of all instead of we're going to shoehorn them into some movie. Oh, the JJ verse crosses into the, the next gen and we get, um, you know, Patrick Stewart for a scene or two. No, this, this is the absolute right decision to be made to, you know, we're not going to cement him and, and end him in this one season. I think we can agree uh, the goal is to have this span multiple seasons, but to continue his story and then eventually, you know, put an end on his story, I think is very important to the legacy. Speaking of legacy and speaking of the JJ films, uh, this untitled Picard series expected to pick up with a Picard who somehow is affected by the destruction of Romulus as seen in the 2009 Star Trek. So something that if we're going year for year, and certainly that, that seems to be the case in terms of uh, when the series is set, uh, the destruction of Romulus about 10 years ago, both in our world and in the world of the Picard series. So where that intersection will occur will be interesting indeed. I think too, also a bit of a vindication of the you know the controversial oh no jj shone a light in my eyes that has made my uh galileo model that i bought in 1968 that's made it disappear right uh that's what i read online um you know it's a little bit of a, of a continuity bringing all together keeping in mind that those prime universe things showed in the shown in the uh, 2009 star trek were prime universe things so it's a neat yeah. way to tie it all together how exactly there is that intersection i'm not quite sure but uh i look forward to that being answered in the first episode and they're going to spell it out okay give it the opportunity again the the character is so popular you know used to be the old thing all right kirk or picard who, who are you going to pick um our cup runneth over that we're returning to him and they continue to promise that he's going to be in a very different place when we do catch up with him. You talk about the events reference, the destruction of Romulus. Let's not forget that's the last adventure he went on was dealing with Romulus and Shinzon and the, the clone plot there and the seeming destruction well, I mean, they did rebuild it, the Enterprise E, but, you know, I can only imagine how outdated that is by now. Um, I don't think we're going to catch him at the, uh, you know, captain's chair of a starship, though. 
And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not doing Star Trek The Next Generation The Next Generation. And as we've seen with Discovery, there's been there's been the ability for them to work in little references. You know, we have season one, maybe end up on a ship like the Enterprise and things like that that are kind of fan service moments. But Kurtzman and company, Kurtz Trek, does not bow down to genuflect in, in terms of fan service. They, they work towards things when appropriate. The worst thing that this show could do is be episode two, the Riker episode. Episode three, the Beverly episode. Do I want updates on those characters? Absolutely. Would cameos be great? 100%. Should that get in the way of getting to tell an interesting Picard story? Absolutely not. If, if those are such great stories to tell, you know what? Do an anthology series, catching up on the next generation people, or do short treks where their Geordie is, I don't know, building hot rods on the moon or whatever it is there's enough story space elsewhere to tell those stories if you can't figure out a way for picard to go visit uh the data clone that gave us hope at the end of nemesis that we'd get more data then just leave it be and that patrick stewart is involved in this in a creative sense as a producer when they convened the writer's room and on the first day they had him there, of course, we had a picture pointed away from the whiteboards. Although, Matt, um, one of the producers, Michael Chabon, who's known for a whole bunch of credits there, he helped to write Spider-Man 2 and, you know, was was on John Carter and uh, wrote the Yiddish wrote- Policeman's Union. Well, <laughs> he wrote the uh, the short trek Calypso um, and uh, as, a, as a novelist as well. He's he's actually uh, helping to write the uh, you remember the mask uh, TV show and toys from the 80s. I know you were a, a Ninja Turtles guy. He's, oh, yeah, yeah. First, I thought in, you meant the mask with Jim Carrey, but no, no, mask, no, no the no, animated. No. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, which were really cool toys, actually, uh, in the 80s. They were like. Uh, Transformer-esque, but they weren't robots themselves. But um, so he and uh, Kirsten Beyer, who's taking on a larger role in this series, you know, has been keeping the the keys to Star Trek continuity across multimedia. Uh, um, they they took a picture of the the whiteboard of the universe in. Picard's time for this series um, and nothing was labeled, but they very clearly have a vision and it's going to be so interesting to see where it picks up. You know, there had been a, what is widely believed to be a coded uh, cast list um, for the, the casting that has since taken place that slipped out about six to eight weeks ago. And uh, whether or not the names and even the descriptions are authentic, we now have cast one, two, three, four, five, six other actors as regulars for this show. We have, and this is a show that um, you mentioned Kirsten Beyer. Uh, certainly at Star Trek Las Vegas, it seemed as though Alex Kurtzman sat at a desk one day with a feathered pen and said, aha. This is a great idea. 
Kirsten Beyer instrumental in the foundation of this show, even as some of these other writers uh, like uh, Chabon and others uh, have come into the fold here. So I wanted to give her her due mention there. But yeah, Pete, as we as we start to talk about some of the at least the actors here, uh, I believe first announced uh, I don't know whether it was with the second name or by himself, but first was uh, Santiago Cabrera, which uh, people might remember from heroes or perhaps Lancelot on uh, on Merlin and uh, a Venezuelan actor and uh, Pete I don't even know should I believe the description here that he might be a pilot or or is that fake too no one knows does spoiler Pete know <laughs> I don't I I know that what came out is believed by many people to be authentic in the ages they were looking for not necessarily in the names um, and some of the description, some of the descriptors. Um, but, uh, in that first wave of casting, Matt, you know, there are people they kind of need right away for rehearsals. And then, you know, there's kind of the second wave that came through second one, uh, connection for us was Michelle Hurd. Uh, she of course seen as the district attorney in, uh, daredevil, um, in, uh, season two, uh, that's a DA Samantha Reyes also in Jessica Jones. Yeah. So nice to see her back in our, back on our radar, somebody whose uh, career goes back all the way to law and order special victims unit. And, uh, I believe around the same time as her casting was announced, we also got, uh, Evan Ivagora. Then things were kind of quiet for a while. And, it's my understanding that the show is going to start filming this month. Um, the month is now in the last uh, week or so. Uh, to be honest, I kind of had expected, you know, the at some point in this month, uh, kind of, you know, the tweet of filming has begun or the little, you know, clapper and action or something like that. Still time to do that. Uh, Pete, maybe production has been pushed. Uh, I don't know. Can you imagine such a thing going on? underneath the, the tutelage of Alex Kurtzman. But um, bottom line is things were quiet for a while. Then more recently, we got the names Allison Pill, Harry Treadaway, and Issa Brignones. And uh, I mean, as you said, Pete, there is your six or seven actors enough to, you know, form the nucleus of a 10 episode series. Yeah. And this is a fairly diverse and young cast um, and I think what we can look at, too, that this is not the bridge crew of a, of a starship. Um, at least one of the descriptions believed to be the Evan Evangora character um, may be a young Romulan. Um, and again, that's going to figure very, very large into the state of the universe at this time. So. If it's not a bridge crew, then what do we imagine this series is? I'm going to go bold, Matt. I think that Picard, uh, you know, we, we've seen the all good things possible future, which he interacted with and then made some changes with Q and, you know, the whole tying up of the story there. We've seen him in his most recent adventure as a captain on a starship, um, I'm going to go bold as a Star Trek does best. What if he became the president of the Federation? 
Wow, that is bolder in scope than I thought. Would, in your mind, Pete, would he still be president or would he be like, retire? you know, like former president Jean-Luc Picard? I think with somebody like him, it would even be the reluctant type of thing. Like in the wake of this catastrophe of the destruction of Romulus, we're, we're thrusting you in there because you're the person with the best judgment. You have a connection now. Uh, both in terms of your work and personally to what's gone on with that system. And and we know you to be wise. And I, I think that the Federation Council would look to install him to make the best possible decisions. Just as a side note, I can imagine what those attack ads would be like. Jean-Luc Picard lost one ship, no two ships, no three ships. If he can't hold on to a starship, can he hold on to the Federation? Vote Bip-Bop from Boya. <laughs> Not How sure. many doppelganger robots is he allowed to infiltrate the Enterprise under his watch? And let's not even talk about the Borg. Beep, beep. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, is he under foreign influence? Um, I think that whether he's a former federation president or whether we see him as a re retired captain uh acting perhaps in, in you know as a part-time archaeologist whether we see him as a uh as an ambassador uh kind of living the 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 quiet life before the series kind of fully kicks off whatever it is i think it needs to be something that says to the audience those glory days of the next generation are well behind us and start with a little sense of melancholy and a little sense of, Hey, I thought all, I thought all the adventure was behind me. Oh, look one more yarn. And now this becomes the Genesis of the first season and obviously subsequent seasons to come. But I think that you need to start with that, not, you know, Commodore Picard. And don't get me wrong. I understand it's the 21st century. They don't have the Commodore rank anymore, but it can't be he's in charge of a new ship doing new discovery things. And then, you know, then there's a new flash from Q who says, wait, I need to test you again. Like, we can't go over that old territory again. He's older. We're all older. This is not, you know, five years after the last movie or something like that. So much time has gone by. There needs to be that note of melancholy to kick things off to say you know what maybe the best years are behind us but wait here's a great year ahead of us yeah and when you consider that where he is now is further into his future than all good things was with him in the vineyard um you know losing his his uh his faculties and you know, is, is there maybe a, a doff of the hat to that? Like you said before, the wisest possible thing is not to make this, you know, just cheers for the next generation with, with people stopping back in. Will we get reprisals? We absolutely would and we should. But it can't be the thing where the entire uh, Enterprise-E cast shows back up. Um, and I think they'll very deftly meld all the different facets of his character. You mentioned the, um, the archaeology. This is somebody who was widely renowned for his ambassadorial skill. Uh, there's the adventurer as well. And I, I think 
wherever they choose to revisit him with where he is will be done and handled very reverently. And let's remember, too, that Patrick Stewart would not be getting involved with this if he didn't appreciate where they were taking it. And it's said to be different from the next generation as it should. And I think that that's a difference that we are all looking forward to. Even, you know, Pete, on the Discovery podcast, we've touched on the people who hate the show and hate that each week they're forced to watch it and things of that sort. Um, and, and hate that sometimes there's shiny lights in their eyes that make them think of JJ and things of that sort. It'll be interesting to see what the fan response is to this uh, for a variety of reasons, including, you know, Clearly, they're making more Star Trek because Discovery was a success and CBS All Access without Discovery was not as successful. Right. Um, so this is something that, as with the best of Star Trek, it has come about because of we the fans, not because, you know, it's been a while since somebody made this movie or they're going to dust off this old property. It's in response to fan feelings. Um and I think that that's something that we can all take pride in. Even, you know, you, you and I and most people who've really, really enjoyed Discovery, it's because of that interplay with the source. But bottom line is, this is hopefully a, a, a different show and one that has that familiar character, but acknowledges that time has gone on and that we get to, we get to see him in a, new, in a new light. Well, if CBS All Access is to survive in a long-term sense and here we are you know two years into its um existence you know starting with the the good fight and now in its third season two seasons of star trek discovery i think they were very wise to have twilight zone launch while discovery was in season get people like us to hang on to the service a little bit longer um but they know their secret sauce is Star Trek TV, um, given that we have this show uh, ready to shoot. We have uh, the uh, Lower Decks animated series coming. We have the uh, Michelle Yeoh Section 31 series forthcoming as well. Um, but, you know, we mentioned before with uh, you know, let's let's talk about somebody like Jonathan Brakes, Matt, though he may not stop by as uh, Riker. He's going to at least be there behind the camera for two episodes. He will. Uh, Himmel Culpepper, the director who's uh, had some Star Trek uh, Discovery experience, she will be doing the pilot and the, the second episode. Then Frakes is doing the second block of episodes, uh, episodes three and four. So... I mean, what a better start than somebody with kind of the fresher perspective of Culpepper and then obviously the longtime Star Trek perspective of Jonathan Frakes certainly feels like, you know, a welcome home atmosphere here, even if Riker does not appear on screen. And I almost feel like just because he's there for, you know, 10, 12, 15 days to direct these two episodes back to back, that's not an excuse for him to put on the 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 you know, the the latest uniform or whatever it might be. Uh, could it be? Okay, yes. But I feel like, you know, that's fruit that we don't need to pick right now. Let's let this show unfold. And I think that that's, again, something that we saw in Discovery. 
they could have done season two for season one and made it more familiar, but instead it was, no, let's establish what's going on. And this Picard show, a show that is going to go 10 episodes for the first season, uh, a, a show that Stewart says is set up for possibly three years of the show. So if there's going to be that, you know, Enterprise D crew uh, special reunion on Starbase One, you know what, let's save that for the second season. It doesn't need to be right away. They have to be earned. They can't just be shoehorned for the purpose of subscribe this week and get to see Jordy and Data. Um, I mean, they're they're not the draws uh, that they once were either, Matt. I mean, P- Picard is a saintly figure for people. And, and that in and of itself is the draw alone to not make it and now we're going to get Picard back with Worf. If, it, if it's needed, if it's earned, if it's deserved, we'll get there. Particularly with this wonderful storytelling device that is Star Trek Short Treks, which CBS counts as its own show. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, I, I disagree. However, I, I'll, I'll grant them this, Pete. If we've had Short Treks thus far that are only Discovery, and then now we reach a point either in anticipation of the Picard show or after it where you want to give me a short trek that's a 15-minute Picard and Jordy and Data little mini-adventure or them, whatever, grabbing dinner at the craziest saloon on you know Tantalus 4, whatever <laughs> it is, that's a great place to do it because it, I feel like it's going to be not getting in the way of the main show, though it's worth pointing out, spoiler alert, most of these short treks for Discovery were deeply tied in, and we did not yes. have that appreciation until the season unfolded. So, you know, do they, now that there's that expectation of, oh man, these are actually, you know, Marvel movie secret scenes that inform the main thing, they could still zig against the zag and give us little mini updates. You want to give me, again, you, you want to give me seven short treks, one for each of the bridge people and you won't even throw in a dr pulaski update though diana moldar has spoken <laughs> very critically about her time on star trek and how ridiculous the show was etc etc boom you want to give me a dr pulaski update go for it just give me new star trek man i mean the, the world is a better place for bringing star trek back to tv and 53 years now matt into this back where it belongs um you know you, you can't help but feel grateful and uh it's it's been great stuff all our podcasting efforts particularly in the realm of star trek made possible by the people who visit patreon.com slash fantastic geek making sure that our hailing signals go from the 23rd century to the 24th century to the 33rd century you know we it's transmitted in humpback whale it's transmitted (laughs) you know across uh the major languages of the federation (laughs) uh but a big thank you to all those people who support us on patreon absolutely everybody who contributes at patreon.com slash fantastic geek gets access to exclusive podcast content and we're always looking for ways to give you even more value takes just a dollar to get yourself in the door uh example of a recent offering we had a patreon only spoiler free preview 48 minutes of avengers endgame discussion heading into that marvel uh movie premiere so uh we do everything we can to give you that value 
absolutely. Now, Pete, as I joked about before, I feel like as soon as we press upload on this, that's when they're going to say, <laughs> production started, Star Trek Destiny, or Star Trek, as you said, making it so. Uh, but as soon as that title gets announced, how can people talk with you about their thoughts on the title of the show? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E -E 10,433 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Visit fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, we will talk more untitled Picard series as news warrants, uh, again, with production scheduled to start sometime this month, and the, which would mean this week or the beginning of next week. I feel like we'll be doing an update before we know it, but time will certainly tell on that. We, we don't have a time crystal to help us out on this one. But for now, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. Make it so. Make it so.